Wealthy Author Podcast, episode 57, Insights for Game Changers, and Love, Hope, and Lime with Fred Diamond. Welcome to another episode of the Wealthy Author Podcast. I am your host, D. Orlando Fortune. This is your show about business and authors. With the growing demand for information, entrepreneurs must learn how to turn their ideas into words on a page that bring in cash and share a unique message. This podcast brings you the strategies, tips, and bars to do just that and do it well using a book. Wealthy author fam, this is one of the best offers I've created. It's my new book, The 4-Hour Book, and I'm practically giving it away. For only $7, you get the ebook, the audiobook, and $189 in bonus materials to help you write your first book or your next book. Go to fourhourbook.com forward slash letter, L E T T E R, to get your digital copy right now. And within minutes, you'll have access to download the book and your bonuses. Now, look, I know everyone cannot afford to hire me to ghostwrite their book or manage their entire book project. Plus, I don't have the bandwidth to take on every author I meet. Now, I wish I could, but I still wanna help you become a wealthy author. So, I put my best strategies and tactics into the four-hour book so that you can write the book you need to write for your business. And if you prefer listening to your books, you get the bonus audiobook of me reading the book to you as one of my gifts to you. Plus, you get my signature book formula checklist to keep you on track as you go on your author journey. And you get the signature book profit matrix to plan out your book sales funnel. Because we all know a book doesn't make you rich, but it does take you to the riches. And then you get a couple of over-the-shoulder recordings of me showing you how to record your book, get it transcribed, and (laughs) self-edited. Yo, I'm shaking my head right now because... I might be over delivering. And here's the thing, I'm okay with it. You deserve to become an author. So go to fourhourbook.com forward slash letter, L-E-T-T-E-R, and start your author journey today. All right, so in this episode, I have about four things I want you to think about as you're going through this. Because when you hear them in the show, you wanna pay a little extra attention to them. The first thing comes early in the show, we're talking about how to convert hundreds of podcast episodes into a book because it's not good enough anymore to just take your content that you have available because there are a lot of people who teach people how to write books that'll say, go grab your current content, compile that information, and then sell it as a book that used to work, like that was okay. And you can still do it if you really want to write a bad book. But if you want to actually make a book that's transformational, that is not the strategy that we teach here on the Wealthy Author Podcast. And again, I'm not saying you cannot do it. The book works, a bad book, as I heard someone say, my bad book that's published is better than your perfect book that's not out there. So I understand the idea. However, if you want to create a transformational book, you need to put more effort into it in order to make it do what you want it to do, transform a life. All right, so you want to pay attention to that. 
Uh, we have the how to convert book buyers into partners. There's a special technique that Fred does and he actually mentions a couple of them. There's another thing I want you to look, listen to is the, for the three unique things that Fred does to make his book stand out as use, when he's using a direct response marketing. He sends the book out a special type of way, the way he not only packages the book, but the other little things that he does when he sends his book out. You want to pay attention to that, but also how he turns his book buyers into partners so that he can help sell him sell more of his book through his book Buyers, that what better way of turning a fan into someone that's going to help push your book out to more of their audience? Got to pay attention to that. The fourth thing here is how the Lyme disease books, because we're talking about two books that Fred published here, and he published them on the first on the same day. That's a whole nother topic. You'll hear about it in the show. But he talks about how the Lyme disease book, a passion project helps him create more sales opportunities for his actual business. Just fascinating concept there. So pay attention. And um, I think that's enough talking. Let's get into the show. All right. Uh, it is time for another episode of the Wealthy Author Podcast. And I have a doozy for you today. What about two books dropped in one day? Like this is, I'm blown away. And I haven't asked any questions. I have so many questions about that. But uh, let's, so let's go ahead and get started with this bio and let's get into talking to Fred about both things, big things that he's doing in his life as far as sales and his Lyme disease. All right, let's get started here. Fred Diamond is the host and producer of the award-winning Sales Game Changers podcast and the co-founder of the Institute for Excellence in Sales, IES. He is also an advocate for Lyme disease treatment and is a frequent article contributor to LymeDisease.org. We definitely have that link there in the show comments. Um, now, Fred, welcome to the Wealthy Author Podcast, brother. Fortune, I am thrilled to be here. Thank you so much. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Now we read the bio, short bio there. Is there anyone else you want to mention, pets, family, or anything else you want to give a shout out to? Sure. I'm actually based in Northern Virginia, right outside of Washington, D.C., mm -hmm. but I'm from Philadelphia. So I think in terms of Philly and, uh, you know, getting ready for the baseball season. Can't wait for that. I love the Eagles. Uh, very big fan of the Sixers, not as much the Flyers. Uh, big fan of a convenience store based out of Philly called Wawa as well. So really? a lot of people reckon. Do you ever hear of Wawa? Do you know it at all? No. Yeah, we're not, it's not as far, it's not that far west, but it's all over the East Coast and okay. it's probably the best convenience store on the planet. A lot of people know, uh, we like to go, my daughters and I, I have three kids, one of each. Mm -hmm. My daughters and I like to go to Wawa openings. So whenever they open a new store, we like to be the first person in line. So that's something that uh, we're known for, but we're also very serious, very serious about business as well. Excellent. Now <laughs> you said three kids, one of each. It's my tribute. It's my tribute to the great Rodney Dangerfield. Good pickup. A lot of times, uh, <laughs> like a lot of times that was one of his, <laughs> my kids, uh, they hate because whenever someone says how many kids he had, they know I'm going to say three, one of each. Now I have a son who's 32. He's a hockey professional. Right. So he teaches uh, kids how to play hockey and he's great at that. I have a daughter who's a physician assistant mm. in the cancer world, very uh, achieved young lady. And I have a daughter who is a college student at a major university in the great state of Florida. Florida. I know yeah. where, but I no problem with that. <laughs> good stuff. Good stuff. Yeah, I heard. I was like, okay, 
Maybe Good he for you. A, maybe he met a pet. <laughs> I have fur uh, baby. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't have any pets. I love dogs, but uh, just because of uh, the neighborhood where I live, they they restrict having dogs. But uh, mm. big fan, love dogs. Everybody does. Everybody should. Everybody should. Absolutely, <laughs> I believe that. All right. Um, okay. So quick, I heard you say you did. You're not a big fan of the Flyers. Like I have two Flyers hats, uh, baseball caps. Well, what's up with the Flyer? Why you don't love the the Flyers? You're not a fan of hockey, or what's that about? No, I just told you, my son's a hockey professional. I right. loved watching my son play hockey uh, mm-hmm. every five times a week for about 10 years. Mm-hmm. No, what actually happened was when I grew up, the Flyers were the best team out of the four and they always sold out. So my father always got season tickets to the Phillies and to the Eagles and frequent tickets to the Sixers. Never went to a Flyers game because they literally sold out. They were so good. Uh, the okay. the Broad Street bullies. So okay. because of that, uh, the Flyers are down. Plus also... Um, since my son is such a big hockey player, he played all the way through college. Okay. We lived in Detroit when he first started playing. Mm. So the Red Wings, when we okay. lived there in the late nineties, they won a couple cups, mm. the Washington Na- uh, Capitals are the local team and they're very popular in DC. So mm-hmm. they won the Stanley cup a couple of years ago. So never, and the Flyers haven't been that great since the seventies, to be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> no worries, no worries, no worries. I just like the orange, so that's why the reason why I have them. <laughs> More of a Blackhawks fan myself, but it's all good. It's all okay. Good. <laughs> all right, let's get into the show here. Let's start off with a, a simple question for you. Uh, what are you reading right now? You know what? I read a ton of books, and um, I do two things. Whenever somebody posts something on LinkedIn or Facebook, hey, I'm reading this book. It's great. I'll go to Amazon and if it looks good, I'll just, you know, I'll just buy a copy. So you're probably like that as well with this podcast. Uh, The other thing I like to do, Fortune, is I go to the library. Uh, I live in Fairfax County, Virginia. Mm -hmm. We have a great library system. Every three weeks, I go to the library, go to the new arrival section. Mm -hmm. Just they have, luckily, they always have four or five nice full shelves and I'll pick up four or five books. Um, I like I like reading three types of books. Um, I like reading entertainment books, like the history of a movie or something, um, or sports books. I just read a book on a horse called Spectacular Bid, which uh, ran for the Triple Crown. I think it was 1979. Didn't win the Belmont. So it was like 300 pages of the backstory of... (laughs) Uh, of the owner and of the jockey and of the horse. And uh, I actually grew up around horse tracks in Philly. So it was just a a deep, thoughtful, well-read book. Um, As we'll talk in a few minutes here, uh, when I decided to get deep into Lyme disease, which we'll talk about, uh, when I began to understand more about disease, uh, that particular disease, um, I'll be honest with you, I began to question um, some spiritual topics. Mm. So I've frequently been reading some topics recently over the last two years uh, on um, spirituality. Mm. And um, I read business books too, since I have a podcast called the sales game changers podcast, anybody who's written a book on sales wants to send me their book. I get 40 people (laughs) a week who want to be on my sales game changers podcast. So I, I go through those books as well uh, on a regular basis. I love to read. Okay. Good stuff. I, and I, and I, I appreciate the 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 breadth of what you're trying to take in. I mean, and then all the and I, I want to ask you this question. Do you feel like even though these are could be desperate subjects, do you still find they all add to each other when have starting to have these conversations, whether that's being able to connect with the person you're speaking with or 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 what? No, that's a great point. I mean, 
we'll talk about this, but my business is called the Institute for Excellence in Sales. Mm-hmm. We're a, uh, our mission is to help companies attract, retain, motivate, and elevate top tier sales talent. So we have members like Salesforce and Amazon and Hilton companies with a lot of salespeople. Yep. So our mission is to help them be better employers for their sales professionals. A lot of what we do is around women in sales and diversities in sales. So we have programs focused on helping them grow their sales career. And I wrote a book on Lyme disease awareness, which we'll talk about the mission of that book. uh, It's the first book ever written for family members, partners, and friends who have somebody with chronic Lyme disease in their life. There's a ton of books that have been written by doctors and medical uh, uh, professionals uh, talk about every possible aspect of the disease and treatment. Mm -hmm. Excuse me. There's a whole bunch of first person books, you know, people who've written about their story of battling the disease, trying to understand it. And then once they've, uh, conquered it at some level, how they've lived fulfilling and mission driven lives. And then there's a whole bunch of third party books, herbals and Lyme, uh, mindfulness and Lyme meditation and Lyme keto diet and Lyme. Uh, there wasn't a book ever written for people who are, were caregivers or who had someone in their life, a wife, a daughter, child, or a friend. Uh, actually, there has been some books written for people who were parents, but nobody at the, at the peer level. So I wrote that book, uh, published it in August of 2022. But the reason I tell you that is there's synergies between what we're trying to do with the Institute for Excellence in Sales and what I'm doing in the Lyme world. I have 2,000 new friends on Facebook from the Lyme world and Instagram and Reddit because you know, they were so excited to finally see a book like this. Interesting. Interesting. Well, let's, let's, let's segue right <laughs> into that. Tell us, tell the wealthy author family uh, about your business. And of course, more importantly, why you do what you do. All right. It's a company called Institute for Excellence in Sales. Most of my career has been in technology marketing. Uh, in 2000, I worked for Apple and Compaq and a company called CompuWare up in Detroit, okay. doing every type of marketing, product, international branding, industry, et cetera. 2002, I went to work for myself as what they now call a fractional. I was an outsourced chief marketing officer. Mm, uh, yeah. Microsoft became a client and they would deploy me to their resellers to help them build better sales and marketing strategies. Uh, I realized that most companies were hiring me, not because they had marketing problems, but because they had sales challenges. Mm-hmm. So they, they brought me in. Since I needed to now go after more sales VPs who were my clients, I created the Institute for Excellence in Sales. And we started doing events in the DC area, the Washington DC area. Mm-hmm. And uh, people started liking what we were doing. And we were getting hundreds of people every month coming to the various events that we would throw for salespeople. Okay. 2018, I decided to do it full-time to run the Institute. And I realized that um, I wasn't having as many meetings as I needed to. So I created the Sales Game Changers podcast. And what I would do is I would drive around the Beltway, Washington, D.C. Uh, do you know D.C. at all? Do you know D.C.? Oh, well? yeah. I went to Howard University. Oh, very good. So I think I knew that, actually. My apologies. So, you know, it's built on a built on yeah. a beltway. Mm-hmm. So I always do this circle thing uh, where I am in Tyson's Corner, Northern Virginia. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of businesses. It's like the business center. Mm-hmm. So I would grab my ATR 2100. I bought a Zoom 5H recorder and I would try to get meetings interviewing people. By the way, I guess she was older than you, our vice president. I guess you probably never saw her, I guess, when you were at Howard, right? No. Uh-uh. Okay. Uh-uh. <laughs> Sorry for the diversion there. <laughs> I've spent a lot of time down by Howard. I love going into that part of town and so many cool restaurants and 
Yeah, it's 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 actually it's a growing area too. There's been a lot of uh, uh, the area has been built up. So good for you. Um, so sorry for the uh, little distraction there. Yeah, all good. Your ATR and you're <laughs> going on to the. So I would I would try to interview VPs of sales in their offices. Uh-huh. So and it was a sales process for me because now I'm in their office. Mm-hmm. So I did a recording and we talked about their career and their journey and we did a really good job. I had a really nice sound editor who did a fantastic job making the show sound good. I did a lot of publicity on LinkedIn and various things like that. So I would make these people who never got interviewed before they're on their sales career. I made them out to be like rock stars. <laughs> and so many people noticed them and people got to know me for this. Mm-hmm. Then the pandemic kicked in. So, of course, we shifted everything to doing interviews like this over Zoom and, and Web, uh, WebEx type, material, uh, type of um, platforms. Mm-hmm. And next thing I knew, we had like 450 episodes. So <laughs> someone said, you know, turn this into a book. So the podcast is called the Sales Game Changers Podcast. And what we did is we wrote a book. It's called Insights for Sales Game Changers, colon, lessons. Yep, lessons from the most important sales leaders on the planet. And what we did is this, um, I was wrestling for what kind of book could I publish um, from the Institute for Excellence in Sales. I have a friend who's published 12 books and he's familiar with my podcast. He said, why don't you do this? Quotes are really big right now. Do a book, 15 chapter book with 15 quotes from any of the various episodes that you've done. Mm -hmm. And I said, that's brilliant. So what we did is we came up with the 30 most uttered words empathy, leadership, teamwork, uh, prospecting, women in sales, whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. We gathered all these great quotes from the 400 some odd episodes mm-hmm. and we narrowed it down to 14 plus an introduction and I had a book and it's good. Yeah. It's we've, I've quoted about a hundred of the sales leaders from the 400 shows. I had a couple people help. One of our, uh, people who did the, the research for me said, uh, Mr. Diamond, he said, you have f- 10 books here. You have so much content. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, easily hear that. Yeah. Exactly. So I went to my publisher and I said, I-, I think we could do 10 books. And she said, oh, let's get the first one done. <laughs> <laughs> let's get the first one done. See how it goes. Then we'll move on to two, three, and four. And we're actually moving on to number two, where we focus on women in sales. But that book came out and uh, I had someone who helped me, you know, kind of with the process and making sure the outline was right, making sure there were no typos and it was teed up, ready to go for Amazon. Excellent. Bars, I got to say this. <laughs> I got to say this. There's, because we're going to, we, we see one direction throughout the author family. You got to be paying attention to what just happened here. For years, Fred collected information from experts. He was already an expert himself, but continued to cone his teeth with being interviewing, interviewing more and more experts about what, how they became experts in their field of sales. Then he took this information, repurposed it into a book. However, please catch what he just finished saying about going to this person to get the editing, going to this person, to make sure the punctuation, he actually turned it into a book and not just a bunch of quotes and things just put into a, please don't just take transcripts and just put it into your books or take your blog posts and just put them into a book. And then that was good for the early 2000s. Okay. We're, no longer, we're not doing that anymore. Okay. Please listen to that. Now we're going to be talking about in just a second here with Fred about how he, he went, so he went from a podcast to a book. And now as we're teeing it up here, Fred, he's going from a book 
to a podcast. So we see the intersection between the interplay between both of these, the podcast and the book. So um, I do have something that's going to come back to in just a second about that process that you used here on writing this book, because you said that you you wanted to write a book for your business. Well, before yeah. we get there, before we get there, I want to, were you, you said you, you created this, uh, the, the business on the side here where you're going to start teaching others and bringing the training and so forth. Was that like an intrapreneur type thing where you're like within a company and did a side uh, on the side or what, how did that evolve? No, like I was telling you, I, uh, I work for some of the great companies, yeah. Apple, Apple, when it was great, compact computer, when it was great. And I moved to Washington, D.C. to work for a couple of what they call pre-IPO startups, mm -hmm. both of them in 2000 and 2001. Mm -hmm. Most of them, they just burst. Mm -hmm. You know, they, they flared out. So, oh, yeah. So then okay. I basically went out and created myself as a, we now call it fractional. At the time, it was just outsourced. I was one of the first people in this space who was doing that. Luckily, uh, someone at Microsoft liked me and gave me all these contracts to work with all their partners, which helped me grab a business. I noticed that I did. The, 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 yeah. So the trigger was, even though I was a quote unquote marketing consultant, mm -hmm. most people were hiring me because they had sales problems. Sales problems okay. So I needed to create a way fortune for me to be in the room with sales leaders. Mm -hmm. So me and a buddy, a guy who was a recruiter, we created in 2012 an entity called the Institute for Excellence in Sales. Gotcha. And we started doing events for sales teams. My thought process was uh, I bring them into a room. I bring a great speaker. We do a really cool event. I tell them, hey, Fred Diamond, outsourced chief marketing officer, mm -hmm. hire me to help your sales process. Mm -hmm. But what actually happened was the Institute for Excellence in Sales grew because mm -hmm. uh, people liked what we were doing. We spent a lot of time. We had a fantastic event director who was very meticulous about the, the process. Um, I was inviting these great speakers that pe people didn't even know existed, people who were world known right now in the sales world, like Jeb Blunt, Mark Hunter, really? Anthony Iorino. Okay. Oh, I brought them into to DC. Friday morning, we would have 300 people. We would serve breakfast. Wow. and People loved what we were doing. And people started saying, hey, why don't you do sales training for my company? Yeah. Why don't you do a women in sales program? So I said at one point, you know what? This is more fun than being a consultant. Mm -hmm. So I've been working for myself since 2002. Mm -hmm. So around 2015, 2016, I said, I don't want to do marketing consulting anymore. It really wasn't interesting me the way it did t you know, 10, 12 years earlier. Yep. Uh, a lot of marketing had become automation, Marketo, HubSpot, and, and that's great. But yeah, I have a master's in business. I worked at Apple. It, working on an email for three hours just was, was killing me. <laughs> so I said, you know what, I'm going to try to make this institute a viable being so I could do that as a career. And the problem that podcast solved was, you know, when you, when you were a consultant, mm -hmm. you know, if you get two or three clients a month, you could be in good shape. You can make yeah. a decent living doing that. Uh, but when I'm selling now, not 50, hundred thousand dollar gigs, I'm now selling $15,000 memberships. I needed like 20 meetings a month. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't getting that. So I created the podcast to mm -hmm. get me into the office of the VPs of sales. Got it. Um, yeah. Excellent. 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 <laughs> All right. So do you, you made it, you bring up a good point that for those who are new in business or are still trying to get their business chops, there's a difference between marketing sales, even though there's often said, like, I don't know, marketing sales. 
<laughs> but it's the difference between marketing sales and in your, from your perspective or in your opinion, what would you say is the difference between the two considering you went from marketing to sales? <laughs> yeah, I mean, absolutely. It's, that's a great question. Sales is about, I'm going to make it very, very simple. Yep. It's about the transaction. Mm -hmm. Now, that means that someone's going to give you money for the services or the products that you provide. Mm -hmm. And it's deeper than that because there's a process to get to that, right? Mm -hmm. Especially when you're in business to business and you're selling high-end technology. It's not just like picking up the phone and saying, would you like to buy this? Okay, great, good. You know, sometimes it's a year, two, three years. Mm -hmm. There's some of the toughest competitors in the world, Microsoft, Oracle, Google, Facebook, et cetera. Those are very, very difficult competitors. So you have to be smart about your process. You need to understand how to present. Now you got to be able to present, you know, into a dot on your computer. You <laughs> right. also need to know who are the 10 people who were involved in this deal. You need to understand how to communicate financial value, how to communicate product value to your customers. But it comes down to the transaction where the customer uh, becomes a customer, a contract is signed, and then money is transferred. And then hopefully they're going to be a customer for the next you know, 10, 15, 20 years. Marketing is kind of everything that leads up to influencing the customer. And uh, I'm a big believer in both. You know, I spent a lot of my career in corporate marketing and product marketing, mm -hmm. but I earned, I realized pretty early on fortune that if the transaction doesn't happen, and I don't want to minimize the word transaction. It's not like there's a moment where they cut you a check, but right. it's a lot of hard work mm -hmm. to get to the point where someone's going to say, we're going to give you $2 million for a two-year contract for your software. Mm -hmm. And it's just as hard for someone to say, uh, slice a credit card for 10 bucks, mm -hmm. you know, to be a subscriber or something. But sales is the transaction moment and everything before and after that happens. I, I, I appreciate you saying, saying that about, even though the money, the, the money is different as far as the, how much it is, it's still a process because sometimes I have to go through this with, with clients about selling their books. They think like, it's just $20. Like why this, like, you know, you still need to, even though it's just $20, you still need to sell. Like you literally need to sell this product or, or your membership, even the $7 membership. You can't just throw it up to like, it's only $7. They should make an easy decision. It is an easy decision, but you still need to make it really, really easy. For well, you raise a great point. And um, when we talk about my line book in a few minutes, yeah. I, my marketing strategy for that is, is radically different. Excuse me, than my marketing strategy for, for the sales book, the sales book was written you know, like I told you before, I get a book sent to me every day. Yep. My Sales Game Changers podcast, we got a couple thousand downloads per show. Mm -hmm. uh, we've done over 650 episodes of the show. Mm -hmm. I've interviewed sales leaders at Hilton, Apple, Amazon, tons of companies, sporting companies. Um, and uh, I get, like I said, I get a book sent to me every day from somebody who wants to be on my podcast. Uh so there's so many sales books. There's no shortage. Like I just said, and I've the, okay. let's say I get 10 books sent to me on a week. Yeah. I'm going to say two of them are great. Okay. Two of them are thoughtful, well-written, new, fresh. I'm going to say four of the 10, well-written, good, but I've heard it before. Mm -hmm. Or this is your angle on something that is not new, but good for you for writing the book. I mean, what is it like 0.001% of the planet has written a book. Yeah. So yeah. good for you. 
And then I'll be honest with you, Fortune, three of the 10, eh, I mean, there's typos. <laughs> it's like, come on, you could have put a little more, you could have put some more work into this, but you know what? Good for you. I'm not going to put you on my podcast because I don't think the work was of quality enough, but, but good for you. Mm-hmm. I don't expect, I, I've had, you know, some people buy the sales book on their own. It's up on Amazon. Mm-hmm. I'm using the sales book as a, as a marketing device. Mm-hmm. Um, if you, so, so my customer, <laughs> so my customers, they, I call them partners like Hilton, Amazon, mm-hmm. when they become a customer, I, part of what they buy from me at the Institute for Excellence in Sales is a number of signed books. Okay. So uh, I've, yep. So I've gone to two so far because the book came out in August of my new customers mm-hmm. and we've had book signings mm-hmm. where they invited, I don't know, however many they wanted, 10, like one had 10, the other had close to 70 mm-hmm. and they you know brought in some food and some drinks. And I did a 10 minute, this is why I wrote the book. The VP of sales mm-hmm. talked about, you know, whatever he talked about. Uh, it was a she in one of the two situations. And then I sat down and signed you know, be a game changer, you know, mm-hmm. Joe, be a game changer, Fred Diamond. And then if they wanted, I would take a picture of me holding the book next to them. And you know what? That is so cool. And I post it on Facebook. <laughs> I post it on Facebook, post on LinkedIn uh, as appropriate. Um, and you know what? People are happy when you give them a book. People are happy to give them anything, but I'm giving them a book. And I've had people reach out and say, I read the book and it's like, oh, okay, help. Oh, Good. You know, it's like, I've read it three times. Somebody told me mm-hmm. um, I'm mailing it to prospects. Mm-hmm. So, you know, whenever I, my prospects or VPs of sales at companies with at least 50 salespeople, every time I come across one of them and we engage on LinkedIn or whatever, I say, Hey, do you mind if I send me, if I send you a copy of my book, sign copy. Mm-hmm. And I would say 50% of the time they say, yes, maybe more, maybe 70%. I grab it from over there. I have blue envelopes. I have a letter Mm -hmm. that's written. This is why I wrote the book. I signed the book. I put it in the blue envelope. I put a little note on this pre-crafted letter. Mm -hmm. Hey, Bill, thanks for accepting my book. I think we could do some great things for your women in sales. I stack them and I go to the post office here in Fairfax, you know, probably once a week, $3 and 65 cents you know, to pop the media, a media book mail? that's uh, media mail. Yeah. And it's, it's a hundred and I think the, I think the sales book is like 164 pages. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the post people, they, some of them recognize me and they, they smile and, uh, they all know it's media and it's in the mail. And it gives me an opportunity to reach back out and say, Hey, what do you think? Did you read the book? So that book provides a value added purpose in my sales process. Excellent. I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm over here like giddy with, I heard so much content. If people are not, if you're, okay. You might need to remind back out of the last three minutes here and realize the process that Fred just gave you about how to market face-to-face and getting in front of those people that you truly try to get in front of. And I want to definitely go into the line book, but I want to go on and touch on this, y'all. The bars yeah. you just dropped there, the subtle pieces of direct response marketing that was in what he just said, uh, but also the the persuasion is like there's a blue cover blue cover uh, for the envelope which is stands out from all the other meal that's going to come out there. There's a pre written letter already in there, so introducing that's that's old school marketing, y'all. That people don't necessarily do anymore. There's a note on there, handwritten note, so it's not like all right they see it's a staple templated type email uh, letter, but now this handwritten letter uh, note on there plus the signature says you took a little extra time to put it on there, right? This 
all masterclass. Y'all need to pay attention for <laughs> to use this. If you are in that beat, especially if you're in the B2B uh, area, yeah. space right there, definitely try that strategy. I've used it for myself to bring in uh, clients for my own authors. Okay. It's so, I mean, fortune. So, so here's the thing. I, mean, I love the way you repeated that back. I mean, if you're in business, mm -hmm. uh, you know, yeah, it'll be great to be the next whomever, uh, next million bookseller. But you know what? I'm not a rock star. You know, I'm not Bruce Springsteen. I'm not, <laughs> I wasn't on Trump's cabinet. You know, uh, you know, I don't have, those are the books that sell, you know, the hundred thousands, the millions, almost anybody who's listening here, you're hoping the book is a marketing tool. Yes. You know what? I feel great that I wrote the insights for sales game changers. My mother is thrilled. Mm -hmm. I have friends who <laughs> I, I have, you know, it's funny. I have, I have a guy who, uh, the, you know what? I'll be, I'll tell you a little bit of trivia here. Yeah. You know how old I was when I published my first book? What's that? 60. Really? You're over 60. I, I'm 60 years old. I waited good, 60 freaking thanks. I was, I was the editor of my college newspaper. Mm -hmm. And if you were to ask anybody I went to college with, what would Fred Diamond do for a career? I'm going to guess most of them would say he was a writer or a reporter, but you know what? I, I got a job from McGraw-Hill Publishing after college. I paid 11,000 bucks a year. I said, I ain't, I ain't too attractive to women at this particular point. Making 11,000 bucks a year. So I moved into tech and went to Apple and yada, yada, yada. Mm -hmm. But I've always said, you know what? Everyone, people said to me, you know, how come you never wrote a book? You were such a great writer. I had a friend for the last 10 years and we tried, you know how you, have, you try to lose weight. You have a buddy. That's also 10, 15 pounds over. And it's like, mm -hmm. all right, it's like a hundred bucks. Whoever loses the least, whatever mm -hmm. this guy and I, we, we, um, we said, we're going to write books and we went after it, but you know what? I couldn't quite, he didn't write a book, but I couldn't quite think about like, what could I write? Mm -hmm. Part of it is I didn't create a sales process, but I had the podcast and eventually mm -hmm. it, it led to it, but it's a marketing tool. It's, I'm not going to sell millions. But you know what? If I get two customers this year, two clients, yeah. two partners for the Institute, because I sent them a book mm -hmm. or I did a book signing at their office or someone said you should look at it, it pays itself off yeah. tremendously. And that's the value, I think, of almost anyone who's listening here of a B2B type of a book. Love it. Love it. And I appreciate you re re recapping that. I definitely appreciate you recapping that. But now, let's transition into the Lyme disease book. Hmm. However, in this transition... We got to talk about launching two books on the same day and completely different topics. What was that about? So uh, a little bit of background here. Yeah. Um, uh, do you know much about Lyme disease? Uh, as a trained chef, I have some understanding about the restrictions, but not so much what it does. Okay, uh, good. Inflammation is about as much as I know. All right, including <laughs> gluten-free is a big part of it as well. Um, Lyme is a tick-borne illness. Um there's an estimate that 5 million people on the planet have what's called chronic Lyme disease. So mm -hmm. basically you're bitten by a tick. The problem is it's very difficult to treat. Mm -hmm. If you get bitten right away and you notice some pain, some joint pain, some nausea, maybe some headaches. And if you go to the right doctor and they recognize that it's Lyme, if you take some antibiotics for a couple of weeks, you should be in good shape. Oh. Fortunately, there's a whole world of people uh, that are what's called chronic where it's very difficult to treat. Uh, I had somebody in my life who had chronic Lyme disease. Mm -hmm. And uh, in the summer, actually in the spring of 2021, uh, the symptoms got worse. Mm -hmm. So I decided that I needed to learn more about what chronic Lyme disease was mm -hmm. uh, in order to better support this particular person in my life. 
So I read every book on Lyme disease. I jumped up on Facebook and typed in Lyme, um, listened to Lyme podcasts. Mm-hmm. And I realized, Fortune, that I, I knew 5% of what there was to know. Mm-hmm. So I started uh, just reaching out to people and trying to understand what the disease was all about. I wrote a post, like you mentioned in the introduction for an entity called LymeDisease.org, which is one of the centers of communication and research about Lyme disease. And the article was posted, I think it was like September of 2021. It was something like how to be supportive when your partner has chronic Lyme disease. The woman who runs LymeDisease.org said this is the first time an article like this was ever written. Mm. Usually it's like medical advice or where there's research being done or where it's getting worse. And Mm -hmm. it's a global disease. Uh, And this article got like hundreds of interactions and then it got thousands. Mm. And then people started reaching out to me and saying, thank you for writing this. Nobody cares. It's an invisible disease. There's an estimate that there's a 75% uh, relationship termination rate. Because oh, it's wow. it, yeah yeah it's that people, stressful. It's very stressful, and actually, it it goes to all. It's a bacteria Lyme, and it goes to all parts of your body. Anyway, people said this article was great. Have you thought about writing a book? And I was so deep into the research that I said, you know what? There's never been this book written before. I had all this energy because of what had happened to this person in my life, trying to understand this. Mm-hmm. So I was working on the sales book with one person. And I said, you know what, I'm going to write a book because there's never been a book written for caregivers or family members. Mm -hmm. So I just started writing the book. I found someone in the Lyme world who specializes in coaching, editing, whatever, Mm -hmm. Uh, sent the book to a bunch of people in the Lyme medical world, doctors, nurse practitioners, bunch of people who run charities. There's like a thousand Lyme charities. Mm -hmm. And I also sent to a bunch of my friends who, you know, love me and cared about me and wanted to make sure that the book came out uh, really good. And I'm, I'm marketing the Lyme book like crazy. You know, the sales book I'm using, like I mentioned, to market the business. Mm-hmm. The Lyme book, uh, I just did a, I did a speech this weekend. Again, you and I are doing this interview in, in March, mm-hmm. uh, the middle of March. Um, I did a, a keynote for 40 people who suffer from Lyme in Maryland. And I talked about the story that I signed 40 books. Um, I take a picture of people reading. I do this with the sales book too. Mm -hmm. I go to my friends or people who are on Facebook with big followings. I bring both books, the line book and the sales book. Mm -hmm. And I take like, uh, what do they call those candid shots Mm -hmm. of them sitting at a cafe, reading the line book with the sales book in front of them Mm -hmm. or the other way around. And then I go up and I post on Facebook. It was great to see my friend fortune, you know, Mm -hmm. Uh, reading my book before we met. He's a great guy who does a podcast and helps people write books. So there's that angle to it. Um, I just started, let me talk about the podcast real quick as well. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. So a little bit of a reverse from the sales side. Uh, I want the book, this particular book to sell. So uh, unlike, you know, the line, the sales book that I'm using as a marketing device to grow my membership, I'm trying to sell the line book. Uh, I'm not going to, it's, it's interesting. I don't do anything else in Lyme. I'm not going to open a consulting practice. I'm not going to sell anything. It's, and it's kind of like a give back ish type of a thing, Mm -hmm. but there was a huge need in the marketplace and fortune. It was reviewed, for example, by the Lyme disease association of Australia, of Australia. So I get people two o'clock in the morning, I'm, I'm asleep and I hear my phone ding 
And it's a, it's a Facebook message from someone in Australia who's asking me a question. Mm-hmm. Uh, what would you do about this? And I write back, I'm, I'm a history major with an MBA. You need to see a doctor. Don't, <laughs> don't, don't take medical advice from me. I don't talk about treatment. I don't talk about, because I, I don't have the disease. It's not for me to say, but it was written, again, it's called Love, Hope, Lyme. It was written to bring some peace to people suffering through a very serious thing. But you want to hear something else? What's that? It's helped me with business. How so? Two ways. Mm-hmm. Two ways. When you're in sales, the whole purpose is to get another meeting with somebody. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Like we talked before when you asked that great question, sales is about the process mm-hmm. of sales. So step 40 might be the customer gives you a check, mm-hmm. right? Step three, demo. Step four, talk to this person. Step five. When I talk about the Institute for Excellence in sales, most people I'm talking to with their VPs, they kind of know what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. They don't, you know, if they're nice, they'll talk to me. I talk to tons of people, don't get me wrong, but they kind of know what the Institute is. Mm-hmm. They're managing 50 to 100 to 1,000 salespeople. So they know what they see, right? These are all smart people. Right. Uh, so I'm looking for reasons to talk to VPs of sales. I've been posting like crazy. I do five LinkedIn posts a week. Every fifth post Friday morning is about We're about running. halfway through today's show. And I want to give a quick word from our sponsor before finishing the interview. If you hate making unnecessary mistakes, then you must watch the free training I prepared for you at thoughtfortunepress.com slash mini class. As the name implies, it's a training. I don't ask you for a dime. It's straight up content. And if you like what you hear, I give you a chance to jump on a call with me or one of my team. Easy peasy, no muss, no fuss. You don't want to miss this mini class if you actually want to make money with your book. Go to thoughtfortunepress.com forward slash mini class and learn how to avoid the nine mistakes beginning authors make and how to write a money-making branded book without being a great writer or wasting your time waiting for a publishing deal. Again, that's thoughtfortunepress.com slash mini class, M-I-N-I-C-L-A-S-S. All right, now let's get back to this conversation with Fred Diamond and getting more into how he's using the books to grow the business and this book is growing that to help him to grow the business. Everything is always helping to grow the business, even though he's also sharing about passions. And so let's get back to the interview. So people have begun to notice this. Now, if you're, most people aren't, really touched personally, but there's a lot of my wife's sister mm-hmm. or my brother's sister-in-law mm-hmm. has Lyme disease. So people have begun to reach out to me and say, where did this come from? You know, mm-hmm. we knew you as the sales guy or the marketing guy. Why are you so committed to educating people on Lyme, which no one else in the history of the planet has done the way I'm doing it. Mm-hmm. So then I engage in a conversation. Here's my story. Here's what happened. Tell me your story. Well, my sister's daughter was bitten. One of my biggest customers of all time. He said his niece was bitten. She's been bedridden for three years. Wow. Where he didn't know that I had this particular tie. We've talked about it. He but he bought books for his family. Mm. Whenever I, I mean, he's always available. But now it's like we have like a different level of of that. The other thing that happened too. I'll give you an example. 
there was a guy that I wanted to talk to who was a VP of sales at a well-known company. Mm -hmm. I've been trying to talk to him for 10 years to get him to become a customer of the Institute for Excellence in Sales. And he's always been, yeah, not right now or blah, 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 whatever the objection, a very common word we hear in sales is. Saw him at an event two months ago. And uh, yeah, I saw him, I kind of waved and he you know, motioned for me to come over at an event in DC. Mm -hmm. And he said, what's this with the Lyme? Mm -hmm. And I you know, told him this story. And he said, my son, who's 32 years old, has been bedridden for the last three years. Mm. Um, started telling me the story, which I knew everything he was telling me. Mm -hmm. And I had things to say because all of a sudden, fortunately, I'm an expert on Lyme disease. And I'm like, well, have, have you tried this? He goes, yeah, we tried that for a little bit. It didn't work. And I said, well, you know, recently I read an article on whatever it was. Mm -hmm. And he said, oh, he goes, would you mind forwarding that to me? And we talked for 15 minutes about this vulnerable personal thing. Mm -hmm. And then he said, well, what's going on with the Institute for Excellence in Sales? Mm -hmm. And I said, well, blah, 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 blah. Our new women in sales program. Mm -hmm. He said, you know what? Now might be the time we had this, this, and this happen. You know, send me the materials. Let's schedule a, uh, a time to chat. So fortune, this is the guy I've been trying to talk to for 10 years. We're, we're friendly. I mean, yeah. Cordial. Yeah. Cordial. I mean, he knows I want him to become a member. Mm -hmm. There's value. I can provide his company. We can provide value. There's a lot of value we provide, but it's, you don't necessarily need it because there's other ways you can get some of the things. Mm -hmm. But when I started talking about this, all of a sudden it was touched. He was touched by it and he was open and we had a genuine, authentic conversation because i knew i knew what he as a father was going through mm -hmm. i knew exactly the pain that this was putting him through so we had an open honest authentic vulnerable conversation it was no bull bs mm -hmm. you know there was no well let me ask you how does this make you feel when you see that your son isn't able to right. There wasn't in sales. Sometimes we have our scripted questions and they come across as scripted and BS. Right. This was, I remember after I left, I felt, I felt bad mm. that his son was going through this because it's See, a that's horrible true connection. Yeah. True. hundred percent true. You know what? The book that I wrote, the sales book, I love it. It's good. People who've read it, a couple of people said they've read it three times and they always carry it with them. And mm -hmm. the line book, I've had people reach out to me, fortune, and say that they couldn't stop crying. Um, someone posted to me via Facebook. I do a lot of Facebook posts. Mm -hmm. Someone bought a copy last Friday night, uh, nine o'clock. I'm sitting watching the uh, NCAA mm -hmm. and uh, I see a Facebook message from this person who I've never met before. Mm -hmm. And we're Facebook friends because I'll accept Facebook friends with anyone in the, in the wine world. Yeah. Uh, and she said, I want to let you know, I started reading your book. It's so emotional. I got through chapter three and I've been crying. She goes, you did something very special for this community. Yeah. So that's uh, the story of both books. Love it. I love it. And you, you spoke to several things into that, that I really just want to touch on briefly. And that is that you talked about being able to post on Fridays about the Lyme disease. And there are plenty of people, and and I've been doing it myself as a recovering addict, so I understand the idea of having a disease that you can't necessarily get rid of. And I didn't know the effect that it had on the people around me. So I'm going to come back to that in just one second. But just being able to post about 
recovery, like things that topics that I feel are really true for me, a passion for me. I started finally, like in the last couple of years, I started posting more about recovery type stuff. I even put it in part of my banner is part of recovery is part of what my, my mission, my personal mission in life is to help those in recovery. So it's being comfortable doing that. And there is more people that connect with that sometimes than my own business, but it is what it is. But there, there are some, some of you are listening who are, have some passion that you have and you've been like, you've been told multiple times not to talk about all these different topics just people need to know about one thing because you're in business. What is that one topic that you're in business? And you just made it clear that it's not necessarily true. And yeah. that if you have a mission and you're, the mission that you're supposed to be talking about, why would you be sharing it? Why would you take that away? Uh, I was rewatching the show, The Good Doctor. Mm-hmm. And in there, there is a scene where um, the guy has ASD. So he's autistic. He's on the spectrum. He's a surgeon. He has a mentor in there who is the president of the hospital. Well, he ends up having cancer. And in this scene, spoiler alert, y'all. <laughs> so he has cancer, but he does. He's because he's a proud guy. He's been the president of the hospital. He doesn't feel like he should needs to connect with other people who have cancer in there. But then he comes to find out that he needs that community, right? That community is what helps us all. And I found the same thing was true for what we have called Al-Anon for those who uh, are in a recovery in this field. And I didn't know what that was like until my daughter's mother. She went back out and I'm sitting there like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> like, Wait a minute. This is how my parents used to think about me. Like, what is wrong with you? Why would you go back out to that knowing what is done to you and that you have kids over here, this and that and the other. So I see the other side and they have out non programs like that specifically for those people who are going through it with the other ones, maybe not themselves having the disease, but having to go through it. And someone needs to understand I have stresses too. I'm going through something also. How do I support you? How do I, I'm in pain too. So I love that you're doing this and actually expressing it um, to show that community that there's someone that cares about them. That is, that is fantastic. Well, you know, good for you for, for putting yourself out there as well. And I read that about you mm-hmm. when we were first discussing, you know, having the show, mm-hmm. um, you know, here's the thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like to say two years ago, I knew one person with Lyme disease. Mm-hmm. Again, you and I are doing this interview in March of 2023. Mm-hmm. When I realized that I didn't know squat about what this person was going through. And trust me, I was very committed and devoted to this particular person. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then when I started doing the research, I was like, God damn, I didn't, I didn't know 95% of what these people with this particular disease mm-hmm. and uh, similar diseases were going through. I've mm-hmm. never had any, I've never had chronic pain in my life. Mm-hmm. You know, I broke an ankle in high school. I mean, I had allergies, <laughs> but you know, and I had colds, you know, whatever. Um, you know, this is a disease that, that knocks you out, that keeps you can't, you can't work. Mm-hmm. The stress is so high. It's mm-hmm. constant. There's in my book, I list 30 symptoms, 30 symptoms that Lyme disease can cause. Mm-hmm. And then the tick brings three dozen other, what they call co-infections. Mm-hmm. So you might be treating for Lyme, but in reality you have Lyme, but you also have something called Babesius or something called Bartonella or something called Rocky Mountain Spotted Fever, spot, Rocky Mountain Spotted Fever, and they all do different things. Mm. And one of the problems is when you have that disease, you you're always anxious because nothing works because mm. there's no cure. But I just want to comment on something else that you just said. Uh, the other thing that I've learned over the last two years, everybody's going through shit. Mm-hmm. Every freaking person on the planet, the seven and a half billion 
something's going on. Some people are going through some real serious stuff, mm-hmm. you know, in really bad parts of the world um, with famine and whatever it might be. But even like in this country, you know, you're in Indiana, I'm in DC, beautiful. We live in the richest country in the world besides yep. Monaco, I guess. But, you know, a very, <laughs> we have, you know what, you could leave your house right now and there's 50 places you can get a cup of coffee or a burger, whatever it might be. You know what? Chronic illness. I, I didn't know it was a problem. Um, things like um, uh, MS and things like mental illness. You know, we talk on my sales game changers podcast every third show fortune we talk about mental illness Mm, that's come because of the pandemic it's going to be endemic i tell people besides all the millions who were killed during the pandemic the worst result is going to be the mental illness crisis with our kids who were who missed two years of school socialization and forgot how to learn Mm -hmm. and then you know families that have suffered because of of the last couple years Mm -hmm. it's going to be a huge problem but you know what back to you everybody's got some Mm -hmm. everybody's got it i remember i had this uh coach once and we were at an interesting stage of the business for the Institute for Excellence in Sales. I was complaining about something and I'm not a big complainer. Mm-hmm. And this guy who was you know, probably in his early seventies at the time, he was kind of giving us some free consulting. He said, everybody's got marital problems. Everybody's got financial problems. And I said at that moment, all right, I, I don't need to tell this guy my problems, but everybody's got something mm-hmm. and you still got to keep moving forward. You know, one of my, there's a couple of big quotes, if you mind me yeah, sharing. No, we're, yeah, we're, they were going to, it was going to come. So go ahead. We can go now. <laughs> go ahead. Like there's, there's before all of this happened to me, um, my number one quote was by Henry Ford. It was, if you believe you can or believe you can't, you're right. And that was my go-to quote. Mm-hmm. Since I started this whole process, uh, there's two quotes that I go through. One is, it's an Einstein quote which is only a life lived in the service to others is a life worth living. Mm. And uh, that's been such a powerful quote from, from Einstein. And I use that all the time and LinkedIn and sometimes on Facebook. And the other quote was a Churchill quote. Um, if you're going through hell, keep going. Keep going. If you're going through hell, <laughs> keep going. I used to always say to hashtag keep moving forward. Yep. And you know what, man, it's hard, but you got no choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Especially, when kids. <laughs> especially when you have kids, so looking, yeah. especially when you have kids and the kids are looking for you. You don't want to, you, know, you know what? You want to be vulnerable. You don't want to be sitting in the corner crying, you know, when, you're, when your kids are watching you type yeah. of thing. You, yeah. you got to be strong for them. You got to play that balance. <laughs> it's like, all right, I got to let them know that it's okay to be, to feel, but yeah. also that I got to be strong. It can't be an example of that. You got to, you can't keep moving forward through this pain. Right. Yeah. yeah there's that balance, man. Ah, you got deep on me right there. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've trust me, man. I've gone, I've questioned everything over the last uh, two years. I even write this in the last chapter of the book. Mm-hmm. When I learned what people were going through, this is a ridiculous disease. This Lyme disease, mm-hmm. the Dalai Lama said, I love everything on earth except for ticks. There's, there's no value for the ticks. The Dalai Lama felt felt the need to chime in on this. I never no. heard that. That's awesome. Oh yeah. man. It's it's a great quote. And uh, you know, when I see a deer, you know, people say, Oh, what a beautiful animal. I see three thousand ticks, you know, sitting on this deer. The deer usually is where the dicks reside before they mm-hmm. they jump off on the human. But mm-hmm. um it's when you get deep, even with what you went through, uh, you, you go into some deep places, you, mm-hmm. you question, 
uh, relationship. You question why, why, why me? Mm -hmm. And you know, there's that category, which is, well, why not you, which is even harder to answer. Mm-hmm. But we we can spend another four or five hours on that. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. So real before yeah. we get to start wrapping some things up here, um, I do want to come back to I want to go on both sides. Usually I go one short one short um suggestion, one long, but I want to go both of them. One short for um for sales, and then I also want to give something short for someone to help someone that's going through the Lyme disease or being a someone that's on the side um supporting with the Lyme disease the Lyme disease. But before we get there, I think you'll have an interesting answer to this. Uh, what did you learn during the writing process? And I don't mean about how to improve writing, but like literally about yourself or anything else. What did you learn from during the writing process? Yeah. So again, I wrote both books at the same time. (laughs) So I'm writing the sales book. Then the next day I'm writing the line book. Then I'm writing the sales book. Um, You know, there's a, remember the TV show, uh, you might not have known it called the odd couple from the Mm seventies. One of the characters, Oscar Madison was a sports writer. Mm -hmm. And I remember this, he once said, I love to have written versus having to write. So, (laughs) you know what? It's, 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 I I missed, I I really enjoy the writing process Mm because it's an intellectual challenge, right? You're thinking what should go into this book, Mm -hmm. you know, and you're thinking like, okay, I want people to pick this up and I want it to be read. You know, I have a saying that if one person listens to my podcast, then one person listens to my podcast. Mm-hmm. But it would be nice if I had a thousand right. or it'd be nice if I had 10,000. But, you know, I wanted to, it was a, it's an intellectual challenge, mm-hmm. you know, to write a book, to process it, to figure out, you know what, maybe that should be chapter 12 versus chapter 10. Mm-hmm. Or, you know what, I don't even need this chapter anymore because it's really not that important. I'll tell you with the lot with the line book, I originally titled the line book, the working title in the beginning was love loss Lyme. And I realized as I was writing the book, you know what, this is a community who've lost family members, who've lost careers. You know, people tell me when they get the disease, you, you lose your energy. You you're so fatigued that you've lost your children's growing up because you're focusing on nothing but growing the disease. So I said, you know what, they know enough about loss. I want to write about hope. So I changed the title to love, hope, Lyme. I feel great about it, but you know what? It's, it's an intellectual challenge. If you like that, if you like being smart, if you like thinking things through, it's a process, it's a journey. Mm-hmm. Um, and also the fun thing too, is I brought a lot of people into the process. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't write a fiction book where I'm off by myself in a, you know, in a cabin, cabin like somewhere. in North, yeah, I'm not Stephen King in a cabin in Maine or something, you know, but I, I would bring people in and I had people who checked the facts and made sure the quotes were correct. And uh, it's interesting on the sales book. I only had one person who, kind of reviewed it because we kind of know what we're talking about mm-hmm. on the line book like i mentioned before i had like 50 mm-hmm. and sending my manuscript to people to review mm-hmm. and getting feedback from people i've known for one guy i sent it to is a high school friend of mine mm-hmm. who we're still friends and he's retired he likes to read i said hey do you want to read my manuscript for the line book and he knew the person that that caused me to write this book mm-hmm. he goes yeah sure the next day I get this detailed email with like 30 comments, you know, of course the first one was, this is really, really good, but here's some suggestions, you know, and, and they were, I was like, and he, he wrote at the end, he said, this book is really going to impact a lot of people. I was, I'm proud that I'm proud of you. It's like a high school friend, Yeah. you know, like a high school friend saying, I'm proud of you. How often does that happen? But, um, and then, you know what, it's even interesting. It's like being published. It's like, yeah, I'm published. 
you know, I mean, more, there's more people who are impressed with me and you and whoever gets published being published. Mm -hmm. than although I do say I'm a two-time author and sometimes when I go to networking events, depending on the event or whatever it might be, sometimes I say fortune when they say, what do you do? I say, well, I'm a, I'm an author. I'm like, oh, what do you write about? I write about sales and disease management, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's uh, oh, that's kind of an odd uh, combination of things. And tell depending on how much time and how, how much that I think they might be, I, I tell some of this story. But um, and then I, yeah, then I say Lyme disease and sales. Um, but uh, for people out there who are listening to your podcast, who are contemplating writing a book, yeah. write a book. Yeah. You know, um, I used to bring all these speakers to DC, like I mentioned, um, people who were members of the National Speaker Association. And I heard for years, it's your obligation to publish a book. Ooh. They said it is your, not if you're a speaker, if you're a human being, mm -hmm. it is your obligation to write a book. Mm -hmm. And like I just said, if one person, if it changes their life, how cool is that, man? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I appreciate that. So I appreciate that. And the, the, the bar I went out in here and there, it wasn't said specifically or is about the transformation that you're going after, the thinking, the creative process. Should this going there? Should that not go in there? Let me change the title from Lost to mm. Hope because you're thinking about the transformation. Remember, wealthy yes. author family, you've been talking, you've heard me say it over and over. It's about the, the person reading the book. Yes. It ain't about you. The book is about the person who's reading the book. And how are you, what transformation are you giving to them? And does every chapter, every title, does it all help create the transformation that your book is, you're writing the book to do? Fortune, you know what, what you just said, you asked me before, what is sales versus marketing? What yeah. you just said, and you should excerpt that and publish it, uh, <laughs> that is sales. Yeah. You know, it is about the customer. All my podcasts, the number one lesson that we, we have heard, I've heard hundreds of lessons. Mm -hmm. One of the top five lessons is that it's not about you. It's about the customer. Yeah. You know, it's not about, I got this great thing to sell you. I would love, we actually did a show on the stupidest statement in sales, which is I would love to sell you this product. <laughs> Who cares what you would do, right. but transformation by buying what we are offering, it will help transform your business as we come out of the pandemic. And as you try to provide more value to whoever your customer is, mm -hmm. or if you're selling things to the government, you know, you will transform how we service the citizen. Mm -hmm. And if you're in the medical industry by buying my solutions, you will transform health in the mm -hmm. world, mental health in the world, physical health, whatever it might be, nutrition, food, um, infrastructure, uh, entertainment, whatever it might be to make our place on this world a better part. But the way you described it, man, it's all about transformation. And as an author, it's a wealthy author, yeah. you know, you're playing a part in that. Mm -hmm. And um, it's gotten to the point where I get so many, like you, I get so many compliments, particularly on the Lion book that, mm -hmm. oh, great. Thank you. I appreciate it. You know, and I, I want to try, I want to soak in, you know, when someone's getting value, when someone says, you know, no one, I get so many people who say no one ever even thought about writing a book. Hopefully some of your listeners mm -hmm. are in the same category. No one ever thought about writing this book and it's going to help so many people. You know what, man, you're making a difference in the world. And that's the beauty of the things that you're doing and the things that you could do by, by writing and podcasting. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, you spoke to one of those and I appreciate you. Thank you for that. <laughs> uh, you spoke to one thing that are about giving something, a piece of advice for someone that's going into sales. 
uh, to help them improve their sales, which is, again, what transformation are you helping them get, whether that's them personally or if you're helping their business to do something, how are you going to help their end customer uh, and to help improve your sales abilities, knowing what that thing is when you're delivering it and knowing that your product or service is going to deliver, is the mechanism to deliver that uh, result that you're going after. Uh, the second thing I wanted to was talk about the other book. What would you say to someone who is dealing with someone, a caregiver or whatnot, a peer to someone who has Lyme disease? What would you say to them to help them at this in this moment right now to give them some type of support or some type of step to help them cope or deal with what they're going through? Yeah. So one of the reasons why I wrote that book is uh, when I started doing all this research and I joined all these Facebook groups and some of these Facebook groups, Fortune, they have 30, 40,000 members. It's insane. Some have a couple hundred, but there must be a thousand line Facebook groups. Some of them have tens of thousands of members who went onto these groups to talk to each other. I have a pain in my shoulder after taking this herb. What is your suggestion? And then 50 people kind of chime in. Right. So I was kind of tracking this to try to understand what was going on with this particular person in my life. And then I started noticing that one out of every 15 posts was how come nobody believes me? or my spouse just left me, mm -hmm. or I haven't spoken. I don't want to go home for July 4th weekend because nobody believes me. And I don't want to fake that I'm doing good when this mm -hmm. disease is tearing me inside. And that's why I wrote that article for, for Lyme disease.org. Um, and that's why people have been so respondent to my book is that we've been, we struggle with this. Mm -hmm. You know, whenever I see somebody who does one of those posts now, I go up and I post a paragraph that I've pre-written to address this, I've written a book for family members, blah, blah, blah. I don't have Lyme disease, but this, and I'll put it in as a comment. There's sometimes I've gotten like 40 comments on my comment. Mm -hmm. I wish my spouse did this or thank you so much. And I want to make sure the message to answer your question is show them that you care. Mm -hmm. You know what? Believe them because they ain't faking it, right? right. If they're lying in bed for three weeks at a time, and they can't work and they can't get up to clean the dishes or whatever, mm -hmm. they ain't faking it. You know, this disease does that to you. People who have this disease have said to me, you know, when you and I are done working, we go work out, woof, you know, it's going to crash on the couch and yeah. watch a little TV or something. The fatigue that people that they, that go through when they have these tick-borne illnesses is like a thousand pounds of cement was kind of laid on them and they just can't even move, let alone get up, believe them. You know, you don't have to, you don't have to know everything about treatment and what every herb does and what everything does, but believe them. Cause you know what, this isn't like a disease that someone caught because they smoked or because they had a bad addiction or they never work out or they overate or they ate the wrong foods or they were sedentary. This is a disease that someone got because a bug bit them. Mm -hmm. This freaking little arachnid I said insect in the book. Someone told me it's an arachnid oh, that okay. a tick. Okay. Yeah. The tick is an arachnid FYI um, that arachnid just because they were hiking because they were canoeing down the grand Canyon because they went on a little river boat in New York, upstate New York, and they were bitten by a tick and they were, their life was amazing until that point. And then all of a sudden their life changed because of uh, the infection from the tick. So believe them. Um, you know, learn some words, read my book. I mentioned all the words. The book was written to be read in an hour, an hour and a half so that, you know, you can understand what you need to do, but, but believe them, let them know that you care and let them know that you're there for them. 
Excellent. I appreciate that. All right. So let's go into, we're going to wrap it up here. Start going into <laughs> these, just some per, more personal questions, little fun questions. And then I'm going to um, allow you to take the mic and share that message that you definitely want to share with the world. Um, you go whichever route you want to go, put the two together. However you're going to do it, I'll let you handle that. All right. But the first thing here is, um, what do you do on your days off that others don't know about? So back to the quote, the um, only a life lived in the service to others is a life worth living. Mm-hmm. I, I've always been about service. My mother was very involved with charities, <clears throat> but I went all in. So every Saturday morning, uh, I volunteer at the Capital Area Food Bank. Oh, um, that's awesome. Yeah. And it's based not too far from Howard uh, in downtown DC, but they do markets around DC and Northern Virginia and Arlington and in Washington, DC. So I go three times a month, Saturday morning from seven to about 11. And we get 300 families mm. who go through the line. We give them beautiful, fresh produce. It's not like spoiled food. It's mm-hmm. really good food. And you know what? There's two things I learned through that. One is a lot of, even in one of the richest cities in the world, Washington, right. D.C., mm-hmm. there's still thousands of people, if not tens of thousands, if not hundreds, who are in food deserts, who don't get access to produce. You know, we don't give Kool-Aid and cupcakes. We give like produce and cabbage and mm-hmm. chicken. Um, and the second thing related to that is there's like an abundance of food. Mm-hmm. You know, we bring we give away like 50 tons of food like every week. Wow. That might be too high. Maybe it's five tons. I don't know. But it, there's like, we get mountains of onions and mountains of sweet potatoes and mountains of watermelon. And uh, you're just like amazed at how much we can produce in this country. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I started doing that. I look forward to it. Uh, I've been volunteering so much that I'm like a supervisor now. So <laughs> <laughs> I said, all right, hey, we have a bunch of high school kids. Usually we get 20 other people who volunteer. I'm like, okay, we need some people on sweet potatoes and would you mind picking up all the garbage that fell on the floor and people do it? And, uh, food, you know, I, like I just told you before, uh, right now I got 20 places within five miles of my house where I can get a burger where I can get, you know, great produce as well. A lot of places they just can't afford it. They, Mm -hmm. they're immigrants or whatever it might be. And Mm -hmm. they're definitely in need. So it's, uh, something I do. Love that. I appreciate your service in that way. Thanks. All right, so we already went over your quote, so we'll leave it there. But what is your favorite book or books? Uh, well, besides Love, Hope, Lime and Inside Your Sales Game Changers, oh, yeah. there's, yeah, there's, two, there, there's two books that I, that I quote <laughs> that have impacted me mainly in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, the first book is called Man's Search for Meaning. Victor Frankel. Victor Frankel. And I, I read this book every year. Really? Um, yeah, I, I once had a coach. Do you know the book Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance? No. But okay, it's a classic. It's called Zen. <laughs> it's called Zen in the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance. And I had a coach in the 90s who suggested that I read that book every year. But I read Man's Search for Meaning, Victor Frankel's book, every year. I usually read it in January. I recommend it to everybody. And uh, I'll, I'll give a quick spoiler. <clears throat> his his definition of meaning is to be of service. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a guy who went through through the Holocaust and survived and became one of the great human beings. Of the and 20th wrote century. his book multiple times because it got destroyed twice. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> just, just a wonderful man. And uh, Man's Search for Meaning. And the other book that I recommend, have you ever heard of um, The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks? 
Yes, I have not read it. I have that's the one with like the goldfish jumping out of the bowl or yes. something like that on the cover. Yeah, yeah. Yes. <laughs> I'll tell you what, I'll I'll mail you a copy. I, I bought a bunch of copies for um customers. I met I I met I, I listened to this podcast in the early 2010s called Everything is Energy. Mm-hmm. And uh Gay Hendricks was a frequent guest and uh, just became a big fan of his. So I bought the book. He was a guest on my podcast, uh, April of 2021, just a fantastic man. The big leap is basically about getting past your upper limits. Mm. Uh, you know, we do things to sabotage ourselves. Yes. Like I, I hate to say this, but I'm going to guess an addict who has been off for 10 years does drugs mm-hmm. because for whatever weakness or something like that, or, you know, someone who just lost a hundred pounds, who goes to McDonald's and eats a Big Mac, you know, you just lost hundred pounds. You don't need to go back to McDonald's, but yeah. we do. Mm-hmm. So his book talks about how do you recognize when you're at those upper limits so that you don't sabotage yourself. And uh, he wrote a book. Yeah. He wrote the follow-up called the genius zone, which uh, goes into a little more of where you want to be above that level. But those two books, I always recommend man's search for meaning and the big leap. Excellent. I appreciate it. Definitely have those in the show links. <laughs> All right. So it's your moment here. Um, your mic. What's the message that you must share with the world? I just want to talk about you. I mean, I just want to acknowledge what you're doing. You know, you're devoting, you've done what close to 60 shows now. I think you said, mm-hmm. you know, you ask great questions. You know, it's amazing. I've been on a dozen podcasts in the last three months talking about Lyme disease, mm-hmm. which is insane. You know, and I've done 650 episodes of my Sales Game Changers podcast talking about sales. And I devote one out of every 10 shows now on, like I mentioned, uh, chronic illness or mental health, if you will. Mm-hmm. I just started my Love Hope Line podcast where I interview doctors, charity directors about what caregivers need to know. But for you to create this show, to give authors the opportunity, and this is, I don't know if you expected some of the things that we were going to talk about today, but you know what? We could talk about the value of a book and you help you helping authors communicate about their book. I've met so many writers over the last two years. I joined a couple of writing groups as I was writing the book. Yeah. And most of the people are writers mm-hmm. and I hate marketing. I hate sales. Well, you better figure <laughs> yes. out a way to get past that because, you know, a book that no one's read is yeah. like text, technically it's a book, but yeah. for you to have created paperweight. this paperweight, paperweight. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like your memoir, figure, it's a diary. It's you know, diary, if you, yeah. if you write a book that no one's ever read, it's a diary, it's a journal and <laughs> there's nothing wrong with, take, with keeping journals, but you know, if you write something, you want people to read, so you got to get it out there. You can't be afraid of it. Mm-hmm. You know, on some of these writers groups. And since I have the sales thing, people tell me, what's your advice? Market the book, market the book, let people know about the book, post it on Facebook. I post every day. I post a picture of somebody holding my book or uh, something from the book, but I just want to acknowledge again, just to wrap. I mean, you giving me, not just me, this opportunity, but people who have writing a book is like, it's a huge thing. I know I kind of yeah. minimized it a little bit before, but you're now a published author. Someone, one of my good friends bought me a shirt that a t-shirt that said, look at me, I'm a published author, Yeah, you know, and I've worn it to the <laughs> gym and all that. And yeah. she was so proud of me. You know, she, this former neighbor who moved to another part of town and her husband, they're good couple friends of ours. Mm -hmm. She thought so much of me that I had written. People are going to look at you in a different way and you're giving them the platform to communicate uh, the hard work that they put in. You just don't sit down, you know, at a typewriter 
you know, for an hour and write a book. And I like what you said. Well, I like what you said before, where you said, don't just take your transcripts. And by the way, when I started my podcast, I transcribed from episode one, knowing that I was going to need them for something like a book. Yep. And I'm always thinking about sales. How am I going to use this? (laughs) How am I going to use I knew the first episode I said, you know what? And I hired, you could do a lot of AI transcription now, but I hired a young lady who's transcribed almost every show and I'm going to keep using her. But, um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's something you say about yourself to be a published author as well. You know, you're willing to, to put your words out there. I mean, the line book I wrote, you know, the sales book, I, I wasn't very vulnerable. You know, I talked about sales strategies. You need to do this. Yeah. It's been said hundred, 500 times before I've said on my podcast every week, the line book, I went to some places that I, I decided to go deep into what I was feeling when I learned this stuff. Yeah. And I've had people who read the book who reached out and said, we had no idea you were this person. Mm-hmm. You know, we thought you were this sales guy. We know you're a nice guy. We thought you were this sales guy who runs this company going on the line, talking about, you know, love. Mm-hmm. You know, I wrote a book, Fortune, with the word love in the title. In the title. Love in the title. I wrote a book. You know, Tom, Tom Hanks from Castaway. I wrote a book with love in the title. <laughs> 40 years ago, I thought I was going to be writing books about basketball and rock and roll and baseball. And I never wrote any of those books, but you know, I wrote a book about love as my first book. It's, it's pretty incredible. People listen to your show, keep encouraging them to do that and write those books. Absolutely. I appreciate it. All right. So how does a wealthy author family stay connected <laughs> with, with Fred here? I have freddiamond.com is one. Salesgamechangerspodcast.com there also. What would we, do you have a link that you want to maybe using for the new, uh, the Lyme disease? No, just go, you? you know what? Everybody can find me at LinkedIn okay. uh, or Facebook. I'm, I'm on LinkedIn. It's always open. It's a big part of our business. Yep. If you're in sales and I'm always on Facebook. I have an Instagram account. I barely use it. I have a Twitter account. I barely use Um but no, the, the easiest way to find me is LinkedIn or Facebook. LinkedIn or Facebook. Excellent. Definitely have those in the show notes. All right, Fred, I appreciate you being here, talking to us about Lyme disease and being all the, being a member, family member and so forth, supporting those in it and what you're going through it. Um, and also talking about the, the bars you dropped here on sales and marketing that you've done throughout the show. Y'all really no- notice how it's part of his languages to, to subtly add in the, the book that book, the podcast, the business, like it was all sprinkled throughout the show. If you're paying attention to uh, the sales that he's done throughout the show, there's another little tick, uh, the tip there for y'all who are going to go on the podcast as an author, you should be on a podcast. Okay. Just saying that too. <laughs> With that being said, Fred, appreciate you for coming out here. God bless you. You've God just you. listened to episode number 57 with your host, D Orlando fortune. That's me. That's your boy. And I want to give thanks to our creator without him all none of this stuff is possible and ask you a quick question do you have any questions yourself or comments or suggestions for authors you want me to interview if you do email them to fortune at thoughtfortunepress.com i answer my own emails that come directly to me and don't forget to grab a copy of my new book the four hour book in it you'll learn how to write publish and profit from a signature book for your business. Purchase a copy at 4hourbook.com. Go there now, go grab your own copy. And when you finish there from grabbing your book, do me another favor. 
share, like, and join. Take a screenshot and share the episode with the hashtag Wealthy Author Podcast. Show us how much you like us by giving us a review on iTunes and, of course, subscribing to the show so you don't miss an episode. And finally, join the conversation in the free Facebook over at Wealthy Author Community. That community continues to grow. Um, see more information about how to grow your business using a book, how to write better books, how to use your book to market your business, how to grow your business there, and just find someone that can help you become what we call accountability partners uh, or action partners inside of that group as you start writing your book. Until next time, you can do, you can be, you can have anything you want in this world. You just got to believe. You can live a life of no doubt, just blessings, and I will show you how. Always remember, you're only one book away from the next breakthrough in life or in your business. So go out there and make life happen every day. God bless. Until next time.